Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. So get ready, guys. You know what we're going to do today, right? You heard Sarah read the scriptures. Oh, I messed up. I didn't wear my tennis shoes today. I say, guys, bring your tennis shoes, right? And then I don't take my own. I don't take my own advice. But today, we're going to take another walk. We're going to take another walk. And, and, and I love what this pastor, his name is John Piper, what he says is that the Christian life is meant to be lived. Uh, living the Christian life is not about a set of rules and regulations. It's living a life, a lifestyle, living a life of Christianity. So it's not about doing rules and regulations. It's not just about obeying this or obeying that, but living a life, living the Christian life. So that's the title of our sermon this morning as we get started on this beautiful uh, Mother's Day morning. And as we start, I want to share a couple of scriptures, I mean, a couple of stories with you, because Paul said, and you heard it, right? He said that you no longer, he said, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. You know, this word futility is like in the vanity of their minds or hopelessly confused. Now, there is a question to be asked here because Paul's talking to Gentiles. So what does he mean when he says that you no longer live as Gentiles? Well, basically, the Gentiles who don't know Christ, but also there are Jewish people who don't know Christ. So what Paul is really saying is that you no longer just live the way you used to live. So in Jesus Christ, you're not, um, the Gentiles were to be living a new life. He said, as a matter of fact, in the way he says it, he says, I say and affirm together with the Lord. Paul here is speaking with authority. He is speaking the word of God, right? He is speaking it and writing it down for these church folk, right? Remember last week, we talked about spiritual gifts. God brings us together. People who come from different places, we look different. We have different ideas. We have different traditions in our families. When sometimes when we stand next to each other, we do not all look the same, which I love about our church. God brings us all together into this place called the church, and we have unity around Jesus Christ. Our unity is, is built around our relationship with Jesus Christ. And because we share Jesus, there are so many things that God wants us to do together. And then last week we saw God gives us these gifts, right? Spiritual gifts. And that we are to equip the church, build each other up, serve one another. You have great value to God. God gifted you, follower of Jesus. And remember, we said everyone has at least one spiritual gift and nobody has all the spiritual gifts. And it is most likely that you have one that is specially built for you. And then there are some others that probably come to play in your life. But that was last week. And now Paul's moving on and he's saying, so as a result of that, guys, he's saying with authority, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds. There's a story, there's a lady named Billie Jean, seriously, that's her name. 
Uh, Billy Jean has a new hope. It says, God's given me new hope and purpose. I felt like I was just a waste of life, Billy Jean recalls. For years, the mother of two had struggled with a drug addiction that she could not shake. And while she tried different rehab programs, deep down she knew that something was missing. Billie Jean realized that something was when she saw the change in her boyfriend who had recently graduated from Helping Up Missions Spiritual Recovery Program. I saw the transformation, remember that word, I saw the transformation firsthand, she says, and realized that what was missing from my life was the spiritual aspect of recovery. I needed more than just rehab, she said. From her very first day at the home, Billie Jean felt at home because she could tell the staff genuinely cared. She entered our spiritual recovery program comprised of expert counseling, Bible studies, uh, uh, life skills classes, recovery classes, work therapy, health and wellness, and much more. And today, and here it is, this is what we're talking about. And today she feels like a brand new woman. I'm not singing that song, and you will be glad. But some of y'all are going to, you're humming it in your minds, right? God has totally lifted the desire for drugs from me. He took it away. Billie Jean is forever grateful for the new life she's been giving and for the caring people like you who supported support our Center for Women and Children. Here it is. I'm finishing up. Before I came to helping up, I was empty, she says. At home, not only did I find help with my addiction, but they've made me feel like a woman with a purpose in life. Now I know when God's number one in my life, nothing is impossible. Her story of recovery at the Helping Up Mission Women's relatively new Women and Children's Center is that she is a brand new person in Jesus. Her recovery included spiritual recovery. She didn't, so she is a new person. So there is this place in Chicago called, um, yeah, Pacific Garden Mission. And I listened at night when I used to drive to and from work. I worked a night shift for years. And I would listen to these stories. And I heard them ever since I was a kid. And they were like old time stories. They came on the radio and you listen to them. And then some of the kids are like, what? And so no videos. And so, um, but at Pacific Garden Mission, we heard similar stories. There was a guy named Theodore Jones. He said, I vividly remember the first day I walked through the doors of Pacific Garden Mission. He said, I was greeted by the pastor and it gave me hope. He said, my name is Theodore Jones and I am a manager of the New Day Substance Abuse Program at the Pacific Garden Mission. In 2013, I had been strung out on drugs and alcohol for over 20 years. My life was out of control. I lost everything and became homeless. I was suicidal. Everything I carried, all of my resources went to my addiction. And I had come to the point of brokenness and hopelessness. Listen, he said, but when I came through the Bible program, I had no direction. I didn't know for sure what I would do with my life. The program helped me to reconstruct my life. But here's the part, and I'm not going to read Theodore's whole story. It's similar to Billy Jean's, but listen to this. God started working in my heart and renewing my thinking process. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, right? We're going to, God does work here, transformation. God does work here, renewing. 
All right, my thinking, my desires changed. He even took away the cigarettes, the drugs, and the alcohol. I came to the point of career development phase. I decided to turn. He went back to school. But here, to finish it all up, he says, first, people need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Second, we want them to know, despite all they have been through, there is hope in God. And we can encourage and show them how God has helped others. Theodore became a new person because his heart was transformed and his mind was being renewed. Not everybody's story is that dramatic. Not everybody's story entails addiction and, 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 and recovery and going away and, and getting that kind of help. But we all share this one thing, that we are separated from God by our sin. So Paul is saying then in our first slide here, he's saying that I must be living my new life differently. So we have this idea. He uses that word walk, right? Remember your Greek word? You remember your Greek word? It was a pair. How many potatoes? Pair of potatoes, right? <laughs> That's our walk. That's my behavior, my conduct. We learned a Greek word a couple of weeks ago. I held up one potato and they said potato. I held up two potatoes and it was a pair of potatoes. And our word is parapoteo. Walk in the New Testament means the sphere in which I live, my conduct, my behavior, my lifestyle. So Paul says, you don't live this way anymore. You don't walk this way anymore. And no, I didn't have the Aerosmith song uh, playing in the background. Some of you are way too young for that, but some of you know what it, but yes, I know. I really wanted to do a little Aerosmith theme song a couple weeks ago. Again, I restrained myself. But so living my new life differently, what does that look like? What does that look like? The first thing that Paul says here is, next slide, a lot of this goes on right here. It goes on right here. He gives us a clue right in verse 17, right? That they no longer walk in the futility of their mind. Um, so watch this. Derwin Gray in our Bible study on Sunday mornings, he's the pastor we watch on the video. He says, my mind is the scene of the crime. I wrote it on the poster, I know, right? About, and he's a great speaker, right? He said, my mind is the scene of the crime. What does that mean? It means a lot, of, <clears throat> a lot of sin that will bring me down. Or if as a follower of Jesus, I'm tempted to go back to my old life. Or, or maybe even you don't know Jesus yet, but you know that some of the crazy stuff you do, it's, it's, it starts right up here. I loved when the pastor said that a couple of weeks ago. He said, my mind is the scene of the crime. That's where it all starts, right? Yeah, I know. I love that. It's on my poster. And he says, so Paul says, really, in this idea of the futility of their mind is like hopelessly confused about spiritual matters. Like not everybody's just wandering around here like they don't know what to do every day. But the futility of their mind, they're living out their lives apart from God, confused about spiritual matters. They may believe they don't need God. They may be agnostic. They may be atheist, right? Some people believe there is no God. Or they may believe that they're going to do enough good works to outweigh their bad works. That's the futility of your mind. When we make up our own way to be right with God, that's, that's error. That's error. Red light. Mm, ah. oh, I didn't do that very well. Uh, you know, the buttons, the loud ones that annoy you. Yeah, I, didn't do, I need a 
Yeah. So, but it starts here. So, uh, one's attitude towards moral things, being unable to understand or comprehend God's word for salvation. So, he says, are walking in the futility of their minds. And this is the second time Paul has talked about this, and we'll go back in a minute. And then he says, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Listen, Paul, there's a list here in the next slide. So not only, not only is my mind not thinking right about spiritual things, he said, but people find themselves far away from God. Another word for that is alienated in some of your Bibles. It might actually say, and then excluded. He says, so, so not only, uh, so we see this is all the, part of the, the parts of what is taking place in one's mind who is separated from God. He said, this is who you used to be. He told the Jews in chapter 2, right? The Jews, and he told the Gentiles in chapter 2, you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The Gentiles, through salvation in Jesus, his shed blood on the cross and resurrection from the dead, the Gentiles who were far away from God were brought near. So they understood the language that Paul was using. Now he's painting a dark picture. He's painting a dark picture of the sinfulness of one who does not yet know Christ. This is the position that we all find ourselves in prior to knowing Jesus. And so while one might think, well, I'm not as bad as so I'm not like those people in the, that Pastor Charlie uh, shared their stories, or uh, I've never done a horrible, terrible thing. I, so, so like maybe we say, I'm not as bad as, but we all do share being separated from God by our sinfulness uh, uh, prior to knowing Christ, being far away from God, being excluded from the life of God. Now, Paul also says something else here. He says, because of the ignorance that is in them. Now, I mean, that just, this doesn't just doesn't sound very kind, right? I mean, somebody ever call you ignorant? I mean, you know, you don't like, that's not like something kind to say, right? But this is ignorance about spiritual matters that could bring one closer to God. Ignorance about spiritual matters that could bring you to salvation through Christ. So what does the Bible say about this? One, um, one, 1 Peter 1 and 14, I like to read that to you. I don't have it on the screen. 1 Peter 1 and 14, here we go. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. So don't go back to where you and how you lived prior to knowing Jesus. That's your former life. That's not who you are anymore. You don't live that way anymore. And he says, by the way, and we're going to hear this in today's scripture, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. So living this lifestyle, walking this walk, living this lifestyle, we are called to a level of holiness. And right before you get stressed out like I do, look, I can't accomplish this on my own and neither can you. But Jesus, Jesus saves you and then calls you out. He he separates you and calls you out to be holy. He will make you holy. The Holy Spirit inside you will make you holy. But he says, anyway, 
He says, your former lusts, the things you wanted to do and the things you did prior to knowing Jesus Christ, that's your former life. That's not who you are anymore. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so back, in, back to our text then. Um, this ignorance, we're painting this picture. It's not pretty. And yet we're going to do, we're going through this passage with Paul here. And he says, not only um, are they living in the futility of their own minds, darkened in their understanding. It's like walking around in darkness. So it happened to me upstairs. You know, we're still doing some work. We're still doing some work upstairs. So there's a ladder and a pile of tools in the living room. There's a paint can on this side and some tools on that side. And I walked downstairs in the dark getting uh, before I went to bed. I walked back downstairs in the dark. I tripped over something. I kicked something else. I said something I won't repeat in church. And then I realized <laughs> that's what my life used to be like. My life was like that. I was, as a young man, I was an addicted person. I was in active rebellion against God because I knew better and still chose to be in rebellion to God. And that's what my life was like, stumbling around in the darkness. Stumbling around, yeah, I mean, you know, you ever get up at night, the lights aren't on, you're sweating, and then you trip over something or hit something. and Yeah, stumbling, my whole life was like stumbling around in the darkness, living in the darkness, right? The Bible says in the Gospel of John, Jesus is the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. When we have the light of Jesus in our lives, the darkness cannot overcome you. But Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 5, darkened in their understanding, literally because of how those folks choose to live who do not yet know Christ, they do it for so long that they become darkened in their understanding, far away from God, ignorant of spiritual matters. And next slide. Uh, I'm going to show you this one first before we get to hardness of heart. There is, and we're going to go to the book of Romans. Romans 1 talks about this, and I'll probably go there a couple times today uh, because it's important. One, and here it's going to say, Romans chapter 1 says that God gave them over. In our scripture today, it says that people give themselves over to this way of just wandering in the darkness, being alienated from God. And he says, because of the hardness of their heart and they, having become callous, have given themselves over. Look at Romans 1 and verse 21 says this, friends. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile. There's the word again, in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. So listen, we all come into this world and this was something I had to learn, guys. I did not always believe this. We all come because we're created in the image of God. We have this knowledge that God does exist. And what happens is, and the Bible tells us this in other places, we suppress that knowledge until we actually believe that God doesn't exist or that we do not have to deal with God. So these people, people who they know God, they did not honor him, and they became futile in their speculations. That's exactly what he's talking about in Ephesians. And then he wants to tell the Colossian church a similar thing. He wants them to understand this. So in Colossians 1.21, he says, 
And although you were formerly, there's that word again, this is who you used to be, alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. So that's your old life. You were far away from God, hostile in your mind, and engaged in evil deeds. But the picture here is, is and there are several more scriptures, and if you want me to give them to you later, I will. There's a direct relationship between the way I think in my head, my mind, and how what goes on in my heart. And what goes on in my heart. My behavior, um, the things I do, um, there's a direct relationship, both as a follower of Jesus and as a sinner who does not yet know Jesus. There's a direct relationship between your heart and your mind. <laughs> you know, the Bible says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? There's a direct relationship between my heart and my mind. Next slide. So Paul says <laughs> um, their hearts became hardened. What happens is if I ignore God long enough, if I stay in my sinfulness long enough, and God lets me have my way, my heart will just become so hard that even when I hear about Jesus' love, it won't crack my hard heart. It won't, it won't make me cry. You know, sometimes they talk about someone does certain crimes or you live a life of, of crime or anger or your heart just gets so hard. You don't have good relationships. You don't even know how to. Sometimes if I stay in my anger and my sinfulness long enough, my heart just gets hard and I'm not loving people and my relationships aren't right. And the Bible says, people's hearts, Paul said, this is who you used to be. And there's a direct relationship between my heart and my mind and my behavior. And he says, but their hearts became hard. And he says, as a matter of fact, and they having become callous. Becoming callous is directly related to this hardened heart. I didn't remember this, but some of you may have more medical knowledge than I do. But I've never really broken a major bone in my body. I know I shouldn't say that out loud. But... Some of you have, and you go to the doctor and you break your arm or you break your leg and the doctor sets your arm, puts the bone back in place, puts a cast on your arm and you begin to heal. And so you get better. And if all is done well, that bone that the doctor fixed for you, that bone is stronger when it heals because of the stuff in your body, it literally becomes callous. The healing process makes that bone harder than it was before it got broken. So now the Bible says, not only did my, your heart was hardened formerly, your heart was hardened, it, it didn't just harden, it became callous. It became harder than hardened. So, so listen, he said that was the way you used to live. As a matter of fact, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2 because Paul says this, remember, Ephesians 1 through 3, we get all the theology and the doctrine. Paul gives us all of the things we need to understand in our hearts and minds. So chapter 2, verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked. He's saying to the Christians, you were zombies. You were the walking dead. Yeah, he said, because you were spiritually dead. And he said, in which you formerly walked. He's reminding them, they're Christians now, he's reminding them 
just like he is now. And he says, matter of fact, he says that we were sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. Matter of fact, in verse 12, he says, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth and having no hope and without God. We're painting a desperate, it's still bad guys, right? So it would almost be depressing if this was all I said today, right? <coughs> so we, your former life, right? Before knowing Christ, far away from God, excluded, uh, all kinds of stuff going on in my mind, a hardened heart, a callous heart. And then next, it, I know it's getting worse before it gets better. Y'all hang in there, hang in there. He says, not only that, he says, not only that, but having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. He uses a lot of words there. I did not know how to explain this, what Paul is really talking about. But what he's saying is, this leads to all kinds of greedy sin, greedy like, I got to get this, you know, I got to do this or get this, and then I'm going to keep doing it. And I got to have more, and I got to have more. But here's the crazy part. I said, oh, next slide, yeah. I said, sin with no limits. Some people would be like, oh, yeah. Some people think that sounds good, right? No, no, no. Sin without boundaries or limits. It's like if you've ever observed public shameless sin. I mean, you may have been, I mean, I will tell you, I did some public shameless sin in my life, so I'm not throwing rocks, my friends. I, if, if the video of my life came up uh, some years ago, I would be embarrassed. That's worse than being embarrassed, embarrassed. I probably wouldn't come back to church, right? I did public shameful sin. And I see that because there's nothing restraining someone whose heart is hard and callous, who thinks they don't have to deal with God from doing those type of things. Why? Because they're living in the futility of their mind. So now, boundaryless, that's a word, boundaryless sin. That's scary stuff, man. And, and what it says here is, it, and he says here, use your words, Charlie. Um, people just give themselves over to that. You just say, what the heck, I'm wide open. We used to say that, wide open. That's scary stuff. But now, it gets a little scarier because we're going to go back to Romans chapter 1 because this principle is very important and I haven't talked about it in a while. God says three times in Romans chapter 1 that he gives, God, he gives people over to do unspeakable, unnatural, sinful things. We're in church. There's kids here. I'm using all my polite words this morning. But it says, so here's what I think happens. I think people give themselves over first and just say, man, I'm just limitless, wide open, boundaryless sin. I'm going for it, right? Just hardened, callous heart. And then God just lets them have their way. When God gives them over, he says it three times, right? He says their foolish heart was darkened in verse 21. He says they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. Verse 24, therefore God gave them over in the lust of their heart to impurities so that their bodies would be dis 
honored among them. It was in Romans chapter 1, he's talking about types of sexual sin. I won't give you the detail. You can go read the rest of Romans chapter 1. But God gave them over. Ephesians chapter 5, it's the same thing. People give themselves over to this limitless. And unless the Holy Spirit intervenes through the conviction of the Word of God, people will continue to live this way. They will die this way. Uh, two people shared, well, I shared one, but shared in Bible study this morning about being with someone or knowing someone that does not yet know Christ and your heart is heavy because they're older, they may or may not have a lot of years left. And I sat with a man who said I could visit with him, but I could not tell him about Jesus. He didn't want to hear about my Jesus while he died. And my friend, Mr. Manders, uh, is experiencing eternal separation from God because, because his heart was darkened, his heart was hardened, his understanding was darkened, and his heart was hardened. And he didn't want to know Jesus. It gets better, finally. Everybody say, yay. It gets better. Verses 20 through 24. I know, this is the fun part, right? Here we go. Next slide. Paul says, Paul says, but you did not learn Christ this way. Now, when he says you didn't learn Christ this way, <laughs> what he really means is, trust me on this in the original language, he says, because of the way it says it, he says, but you didn't come into a relationship with Christ in this way. He says, if indeed you have heard him and been taught and as just as the truth is in Jesus. So here we go. Number two, you're a new person in Christ. Next slide. We see three things. You heard him. You have been taught in him. And just as the truth is in Jesus. So remember, Jesus said in the gospel of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. Jesus doesn't give us truth. He doesn't show us truth. Jesus is the truth. So when you come to Christ, you're coming into relationship with, with your Savior, who is the only Savior, the only one qualified to be your Savior. And you are coming into right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He doesn't give you truth. He doesn't teach you truth. He doesn't show you truth. He is truth. He is the embodiment of truth. And you become Oh, let me say this carefully. Um, you are invited into relationship with him in truth. So why is that important? Listen, you listen to the gospel. You listen to the word of God. You learn. Here's this whole theme here in this section of the mind. Your mind used to be futile, but now it's being renewed, right? So you learned and then you are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So I ask you, my friend, when you hear this, is this your former way of life? Question mark. Do you know Christ yet? Have you entered into this <clears throat> new life in Jesus Christ? Have you become a new man or a new woman yet? Paul says here, if indeed you have heard him, you've been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. Uh, next slide. The verses here literally mean, and I promise I'm not going to do it, taking off old dirty clothes. That's what the scripture, and there's other places where this same language is used. 
You're taking off, you're putting off the old self. It's like taking off old clothes. And he says, the old man, take him off and discard him. Take him off. You have done that. You have taken him off. And he continues, so you lay aside the old self, that former manner of life. Why? Because it's being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. It's no good. It's corrupted. It will only bring bad. It will only bring death. And that's no longer who you are. Here we go. It gets, <coughs> it gets even better. Next slide. He says, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In Romans chapter 12, we talk a lot about this and celebrate recovery. Um, I know I talk a lot about this in my own life. He says, in the renewing of your mind, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and living, acceptable God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, here, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed is a metamorphosis. That's where we get our word in the Greek language for metamorphosis. You're not just fixed up or reconditioned like an old car. You are transformed into something. I love the Transformer movies, right? Because the car is totally transformed into something different. But be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. So Derwin Gray says another thing that I love in our Bible study. Last week, he said, wallpaper your mind with Scripture. Wallpaper your mind with Scripture. Renewing our mind, we can renew our minds with the Word of God. If you're not reading the Word of God, start reading the Word of God. Say, Pastor, I don't understand it. I said, well, I'll tell you what, come and hang out with me one day. We'll just sit down, read it, and talk about it. But if you faithfully read it and continue to read it, God will give you the understanding. Come to church, go to Bible study, talk to somebody about it. But you can be transformed how? How am I transformed? By the renewing of my mind. So that I may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Look, the work is going on in here, guys. It does not always have to be the scene of the crime. We can wallpaper our minds with Scripture, living into this new Christian life in Jesus. And this is hopeful to me, guys. Some of you have been to some dark places in your life, in your mind. Someone told me recently that they no longer wanted to live. It made me sad. A young person in a dark place <laughs> in their mind. But you know what? That can lead to challenging and difficult things. It doesn't have to be that way. We can renew our minds. Renew, wallpaper your mind with Scripture. And again, he goes on here. Um, next slide. So if we take off our old clothes, we can't be running around naked, right? So what does Apostle Paul say? Put on the new self. Put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. There is that truth again. Put on your new clothes. Why? You're a new person. If any man or woman is in Christ, they're a new creation. Hey, guess what? You're a new person, you get some new clothes. Put on your Jesus clothes. Act like who you are. I need to say that to myself all week, guys. Act like who you are. Put on your new clothes. You are a new person. Watch this. Jesus doesn't just make you righteous. He shares his very righteousness with you. 
I thought that was crazy talk when my pastor said that. I thought my pastor was a heretic. No, I went back and investigated what the word of God says. Jesus Christ shares his very righteousness with you in salvation. You are righteous, not because you and I are good, not because we did anything special, not because we're pretty, young, or old, but because of Jesus. We're right with God. God looks down at you now, Christian, and he sees the righteousness of his son Jesus in and on you. Jesus has shared his very righteousness with you. And then he says, and holiness of the truth. Listen, holiness, same word, hagias, is saints. You're a saint if you're a Christian. God has called you out to be separated. When we are called to be holy and to live a holy life, it's not just to be religious or to look a certain way or say a certain thing. It is God calling you out to live a purposeful life for his glory. For me, that's adventurous. I'm no longer addicted to cocaine and alcohol. You know what? I still live in this flesh. So sometimes I'm selfish. Sometimes I'm mean. Sometimes I am not who God wants me to be. And I have to continue to confess that because I'm still living in this, this mess right here. But let me tell you something. I do know that I, that I am a new person. And I took off my old clothes and I have put on my new clothes. Sometimes I still act like I old, old dirty former self. And God will convict me and the Holy Spirit will get my attention. God will, Holy Spirit will convict me and God will discipline me. Don't be messing around out there too long if you know Jesus. So Paul says to the followers of Jesus, to these Christians, to these Gentiles, you're not living that life anymore. You're a new person, a new creation. This is a message of hope and encouragement for you and me. Put on your new clothes. Live like who you are. Paul's saying to these believers. So you see, we got all the theology and because our minds are being renewed, because we've been transformed by Jesus Christ. That's the best way I know how to share that passage with you. And next week, next week, it's just going to get down and dirty next week. All the imperatives come. You know what an imperative is? The imperative is, oh, you will do this. Okay? And so the Apostle Paul is going to say, hey, guys, guess what? As a result of all this, do this, don't do this, do that, don't do this, do this. But look, it's all for God's glory. It's all a part of living this new lifestyle. It's not about being a goodie. It's not about being better than your neighbor that you don't like anyway. It's, it's about being more like Jesus and for God's glory. 